Christine. Uh, welcome to my podcast, Unmuzzled at 67. Here we are, halfway through Series 2. We're in Episode 4, and this is called More Boys. So, you're very welcome. Let me quickly do a recap on what we were talking about last time. We were talking about me finally finding the right type of antidepressants for myself and it had taken a long time for me to get there and then it took even longer to find the actual right, uh, the right, uh, I'm going to start again. So let's just recap on, on our last episode, what, what, what I was talking about then. I was talking about finally finding the right type of antidepressants for me after 18 months of trying various types and what a relief that was to finally find the right ones and what an impact that made. Um, we talked about my first introduction to the gym, which I loved and continued to. And of course, the indecent proposal. Or was it? I guess I'm beginning to think now, maybe for some women, that might have been a practical arrangement. May have suited some, but not me. That is one of the only times in my life that I was so taken aback. It was so unexpected that all I could say was, no, thank you. So... Anywho, let's let's kick off this week, this episode, um, by returning to the same hotel that I was working in from the last episode and to those same gangsters. For a short while, anyway. So are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. So... In our department, we are still looking for a replacement for the Mary Hill mob, the guys who had been providing us with a laundry service who were now in jail. Um, and the guys, the other guys I was having my morning coffee with are interested in taking on the contract and they're pressing me for details so they could put together a quote. I tried to put them off. I could hear that warning in my head from Sandy, the policeman, the, the warning that he had given me. These guys were just as dodgy as the Mary Hill mob, and I was sure I'd had a very lucky escape from them. But no, they were not having it, and they continued to question me about the details that they were going to need to provide this quote. I'm sure they sensed my sense of hesitancy, and the next minute, they offered me a percentage of the monthly take. Now, I'm not going to lie. Given my poultry salary that was stretched to the max every month, I did contemplate it. And I thought about the difference that that would make to me. And anyway, who would know? But then, good fortune took the decision out of my hands. A new finance director was appointed in the hotel and she recommended the company that she had used in her last hotel. There was my get-out-of-jail card. The boys understood. There was no way around that. Phew. Saved. 
that brought my time with these gangsters in this hotel to an end. I was doing what Sandy told me not to do. I was just being reckless. And I reined it in. But something really good did happen to me while I was working for this hotel, which was part of an international uh, hotel group. Um, I got to meet the queen bee, if you like, of the sector of hospitality that I was working in. She invited me to join her group in London who worked alongside the hotel designers to advise on the practicalities of fabrics, floorings, you know, for example, things like sofas, cushions, curtains, all that kind of thing. Um, because people doing my job were always dealing with badly stained things. And, you know, we were trying to say to them, you know, let's have beautiful things, but let's have really practical things that can be washed or are, are especially durable. It didn't go down very well with the designers, as you can imagine, but there were about four of us in this um, group who had extensive experience and the, the designers had to work with us. Um, so my boss was very keen for me to get involved in this. Um, and before I knew, I was travelling up and down to London, flying up and down and uh, uh, really enjoying this brand new outlet. So this woman and I got really friendly um, and and she started to invite me to stay at her house when I was when I was coming down to London to join these groups, um, and rather than staying in a hotel room myself, and I was staying with her and her husband in Hampstead rather than being in a hotel room myself. So that that was brilliant. Her name was Siobhan. She was Irish. Uh, she was a wee bit younger than me. She was vibrant, full of fun as well as being extremely professional and very well thought of. And soon I was spending my holidays and even long weekends in London with her and her husband, but mostly with her. And in time, we became like sisters. This was my first proper friendship as an adult that lasted for many years. I was introduced to her family and to her friends, and I became... A big part of her world. We would call each other every night, always had lots to say. We were just really close. She was the best of people. She was an open book, no hang-ups, compassionate, kind and generous. And I used to say if I had half of her qualities, I would be happy. I'm sure most people can resonate with this. We've all got or have had a special friendship in our life that brings uh, a particular kind of happiness, a bestie probably. And maybe you're lucky enough to still have that person in your life. You are indeed fortunate. Treasure your time together. This was probably the happiest time in my life and I remember it all fondly. Sadly, uh, Siobhan died of cancer in her 50s, but she didn't suffer. And we had 10 years of a real sisterhood together. And I'm grateful for that. I've never had another friendship like that since. But interestingly, as close as we were, probably the closest I've been to anyone, I still never opened up to her 
um, maybe I didn't want her to see the real me. I didn't want to expose myself in case she wouldn't like me. It seemed my past was truly under lock and key. So getting back to the hotel, it, it was time to make a move. And fortunately, an offer came uh, for a new job to work in a resort hotel. So out of the city, more into the country that was between Edinburgh and Glasgow. And here begins a new story. Here is where, yet again, I meet two Glasgow hard men who would become my employers. How did that happen? Let me tell you. These two rough-looking guys are spotted in the hotel lounge where the guests have their afternoon tea. And they stood out because they actually looked like workmen sitting there having their coffee amongst the guests. So I was called. Go and speak to them, Christine. Find out what they're up to in that lounge. I did. And it seemed they had been asked to quote for some kind of deep cleaning outside the hotel. Um, so very quickly, I got hold of the two of them and I took them to that particular area so they could see what they were going to be quoting for. And I got them out of the lounge and away for the guests. They were typical Glaswegians, open books and told it exactly how it was. Meet Rab and Eddie. Eddie, sorry, Rab, just out of the barrel. And Eddie, just out of Sockton. Oh no. This was them presenting their new cleaning company. They were hilarious and totally on the ball. They were asking what my job was and could I get them any work. I tactfully said, no, I don't think so. But they were not put off, especially Rab, who clearly took the lead. And he said that I was a good contact for him. And could he keep in touch? He said he wanted to pick my brains. And after an hour or so of chatting, I made a hasty retreat and thought that would be the last I would hear of they two. But no. Rab called the very next day saying could we meet up and talk. Talk about his business ideas. He was a likeable rogue and so being me I said okay. And we met after work. Of course he wanted to ask me about any contacts I had and again I was quite evasive. I didn't want to get involved in this again. But our conversation turned to more personal things. I told him I was sick of working in hotels even fancy ones like the one I was working in. I was tired of being exploited, still working long hours and very little quality of time for myself. So what would you like to do? Rab asked. And that's when I told him about my own business idea, which was an eco-friendly laundry company, which would... <sighs> start again, which would service hotels and local businesses using eco-friendly soap powder, hangers, wrappings, and for folded shirts and underwear, these lovely um, baskets that, that I managed to get. All these eco items were recyclable and would actually save in costs. 
being eco-friendly was just coming into its own in hotels and they were very keen to um, step up the mark and give themselves gold stars for using eco-friendly uh, products and eco-friendly systems and recycling more. So the time to start this really was now. And, and if it was done right, I thought it could be a great success. Rab was extremely interested and was keen to know if I felt I could get hotels contracts because of, the, because of all the contacts that I had. I said, yes, yes, I'm sure I could. I'd had this business idea for a couple of years, uh, but I didn't have the money to set it up. Uh, Rab said, no bother, I'll fund it. But it had to be with me at the heart of it. So he wanted me to come and work with him and together he would fund the project and I would run it. Wasn't expecting that. I said, well, I need to have at least a week in London to do the research that I felt was necessary because there was a company in London that I knew of who were already doing something quite similar and I wanted to go to the hotels that were using this company to ask them what they thought. So Rab paid for me to go to London for a week to do my research. And my friend Siobhan put me up in her house in Hampstead. And she also got me into some of the really fancy hotels, uh, some of the poshest ones in London with her contacts. It's, um, it was amazing to me to be behind the scenes in some of the real iconic London hotels. The Savoy, Claridge's, really, really opens your eyes to how we do things in Scotland or how we don't do things in Scotland. So yes, I did leave behind the respectability, the security of a five-star hotel which had been, which honestly I was becoming more and more disillusioned with because, you know, the difference between staying at a five-star hotel and working in a five-star hotel is absolute night and day. Below stairs, if you want to say that, there is very, diff very little reference to five stars. I've often thought that I would do an episode just on hotel stories to give people an idea of really the conditions that we had to work in. And I remember saying to a hotel I worked in not that long ago, uh, you know, in recent times, a couple of years ago, I hope to fuck a guest never gets lost and ends up down here or this place will be fucking shut down in 24 hours. That is how bad it can be. Maybe I will. But let's get back to the story. Anywho... Here was my chance, I thought, to start a business in a world I knew so well. It seemed perfect. The boys were putting up the money for the premises, the machines, and all the eco trappings, and I got to front it. My idea and my concepts. So yes, I did get some decent hotel contracts quite quickly. And we were washing, ironing, packing, and delivering and I was driving a small transit, cutting about the turn. I'd never, I'd never driven a van before, so it was quite a, quite a thing for me, but no bother after a while. Then Eddie decided his daughter was going to help me as he and Rab were 
their, their cleaning side of their business was really taken off and they couldn't spend the time on this business anymore. So his daughter was going to help me. But from the get-go, Eddie's daughter was not going to help me. In fact, she acted as though I should be helping her. After all, it was her dad that was funding this. Even though she knew nothing about it, she was highly competitive, always right, and liked to play mind games. And most days it was just me and her. Um, and occasionally there were some of the other Eddie's other female relatives joining the ranks as we started to get busy. Looking back, not at the time, of course, because I'm too daft, but looking back, I can see, I can see clearly what was happening. The family were going to pick my brains and then they were going to get rid of me. At the same time, though, there were threatening phone calls coming to me from a rival laundry business whose contracts we had taken. I was told by this guy to stop doing what I was doing because it was me that, that, was, uh, that was running this and he was, not about to, he was not about to stand back and watch his business fail because all these contracts were coming to me. So it was threatening, yes, definitely, and then he suggested I should go and work for him or there's going to be consequences. Fuck's sake. So I told Rab, um, as these calls were beginning to be like a daily thing, saying things, the guy's saying things like, I know where you live and all that. So um, I was frightened. There's no, no two ways about it. Rab knew who he was and he said, I'm going to speak to him. So we did speak to him. And for a while, the, stop, the calls completely stopped. But then I realised that I was being followed by a, I was going to say an unmarked van, that doesn't sound like, like something a policeman would say, but by a van that had no identification on it. That's the best way to say. So this van was following me. And when we got to an area near our base, near our, near our, our building where we worked from, it was actually quite quite quiet. So once we got out of the town, this this van would uh, would drive up very close to the back of the van I was driving. They would honk the horn and flash the lights and kind of, you know, not not try to get me off the road, but 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 just a kind of a warning if you like. Um and that happened a couple of times and I had to say to Rab, what the fuck? You know, you're you're gonna to have to deal with this. Don't worry, he says I'll go back and speak to that. See you next Tuesday. And I have to say it did stop. It did stop again. But it was all beginning to, I was beginning to see very clearly these red flags. And I was, I was, I was frightened and thinking to myself, what the hell have I let myself in for here? And the atmosphere created by Eddie's daughter was absolutely toxic. And more and more of his family were joining the ranks. So I was beginning to feel like an outsider. That's definitely how they treated me. Um, Eddie's family, not in the least concerned about this. And they thought I was completely overreacting and they actually thought it was quite funny. So <laughs> huge differences in how we looked at life. And again, I said to myself, what have I let myself in for here? I felt as if I honestly had bitten off more than I could chew. And I was in a world I just didn't know. 
and then came the last straw. A few days later, we're, we're uh, working away, getting ready to do our first run into the town, and we all became aware of this revving of a car engine uh, in the kind of road that was behind us, which was a fairly deserted road. It used to lead to an industrial estate, which was no longer there. So we had this car revving up, driving very fast, and then screeching to a halt. And it happened a couple of times. So uh, the women said, oh, let's go up to the first floor and see what, what this is all about. So we were working in, not in the basement, on the ground floor. So we went up to the first floor because we could have a really good, uh, a really good view there. And um, the first floor had a, a, a ceiling to floor window, a big, big window that was just above the actual door, the entrance into the, to, to the building. Um, so this, we could see this car, I'm sure it was a golf, screeching and going up and down and up and down this road. And suddenly it came into our, 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 our uh, the sort of car park thing that we had in the front of the, in the front of the building. So all of us women are standing in the front of the window and we see this car screeching to a halt right outside the front door. Two guys jumped out, both wearing uh, balaclavas and holding shotguns and pointing them at the door to the building. And meanwhile, another car had followed them and was now blocking the entrance to our building uh, either way, either coming in or going out. The two guys that are armed start shouting for Rab and Eddie, come out, come out, they're shouting. And when they didn't come out, they shouted again, if you don't come out here, you know what we're here for. We're going to start shooting. It's like something for the fucking Wild West. We all started to move back from the window and get to, to, the, to the side Rab and Eddie staying put. They're fucking having none of it. They're still doing in the, in the first floor. They don't want to know about anything. So, yes, they started shooting. They started shooting at the door and the front of the building. And we could, ah, well, we all could hear the ricocheting of the bullets. Um, and as as they, they kind of shot a wee bit further up the building, I mean, I, I would say that the bullets kind of just missed our, our feet. We were, um, I was absolutely frozen to the spot. I felt as if I was in the movie, in a movie. It was just so surreal. I couldn't believe what was happening. The other women, fucking totally relaxed. They were having, well, all this fucking shooting's going on. They're having a wee chat. This is what they're saying. I think I know that guy's voice. Wait a minute, wait a minute, the new Nancy. Wait till he speaks again. Of course, the guys are fucking shouting, Eddie, Rab, get out here. You know what want one money and all that kind of thing. Oh, she says, I'm sure I know that voice. I'm sure I know that voice. I'm, I definitely think I've heard him before. And they're all sitting discussing who, who it might be. Very calmly. Clearly, they were used to this, this kind of situation. I was horrified. 
I was shaking from head to foot. I just, I honestly couldn't take in what was happening. Finally, the guys stopped shooting and they shouted in, this is a warning. And the next time, they would not be shooting at a door. And they screeched off, shouting, we want one money. And Rab and Eddie better get it to them as soon as possible. And they left. Eddie's family, very relaxed as if nothing at all had happened, sent one of the young ones over to Greg's to get some cakes. Let's get the kettle on. Let's start working. And nobody, it just wasn't even, it wasn't even mentioned. So uh, I thought, I've got, I'm going to have to speak to Rab about this. I'd, I'd, I just, I, I just can't deal with this. I, I'd, I, enough was enough now. So I said, look, Rab, I can't come back tomorrow after this. See, between this, this carry-on that's happened today, the threatening phone calls, getting followed in a van, being told, you know, that these guys know where, I, where I'm staying. I said, Rab, this is your world. It isn't mine. I am completely out of my depth here. He looked at me, astonished. Come on, Christine. I think you're overreacting a wee bit here. Take some time off to think about it. But I was absolutely shattered. I got home. I called my friend Siobhan, told her what had happened. And she was like, fucking hell. So she managed to get me an interview within two days for a job in London. Um, and within a week, I was away. I was working in London doing a temporary job just to get myself out of Glasgow. I think my son was about 19 then, 1920. So he was, you know, capable to look after himself. I just needed a break. I needed to get away. Um, and so I did. And so I, I, I started working this incredible hotel just outside London, super glamorous, super luxurious, in the country. And I ended up living in the gardener's cottage, which was beautiful. I, I mean, the, the decor, the furnishings, it was absolutely fantastic. It was just what I needed. And, uh, and living near, uh, quite near my friend, of course, she was about 40 miles away, which is nothing, is it, and when you're in London. So um, I was a world away from Rab and Eddie's world. And thank God for that. So again, somebody swooped in and saved me. And there I was to save to fight another day. So that is the end of this episode. <laughs> um, I hope that you have enjoyed it. And also that um, if you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your family and friends because the more the merrier. I want to say welcome to the new followers. You're, you're really welcome. It's fantastic to have your company. Um, and I'm going to sign off now and say see you next week. <laughs>